I spent uh, 13 years in student ministry, and uh, every time there was a, a mission trip, I contacted the parents ahead of time and said, whatever you can do, make sure your child goes on this mission trip because it's in these events that their lives are transformed. You see a list before you of 53 sponsors and students who are uh, headed to North Carolina. Will you just randomly pick one, and I want you to spend time praying for them every single day this week. Just So just give you a moment to pick that, and then I'll direct the, the prayer time. Feel free to take more than one. You may be seated. I want us to spend some time praying about three things, four things, safe travels and strong health, unity. We all need that, but student ministry is always difficult with unity. Deepening their commitment to Jesus and an opportunity to share the faith. So let's spend just a few moments praying, letting those uh, prayer uh, points drive our prayer time for your student. Father, I pray that you would transform the lives of the sponsors and the students who are on this trip. I pray they'd have amazing conversations. I pray that they would work through conflict in a healthy way. Father, I pray that you would, uh, if, if there are any students there that are not uh, following you, I, pr- I pray that this would be a life-changing event for them. And most of all, Father, I pray that they would have a heart for the nations, that they realize that they've been called to share their faith. I pray that great relationships would be formed. And Father, we commit this week to you. And God, I pray that the student that we're praying for, that their life be changed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. I hope you don't mind me sitting. I'm going to try to see if I can uh, ward off Fred, who is my uh, Parkinson's uninvited guest. And so sitting might be a little more helpful for me to stop him in his tracks. So I'll give give that a shot. So you may remember the name Michael Plant. Uh, Shared his name several years ago. Shared his story with you guys. He was America's most accomplished single-handed ocean sailor. He logged more than 100,000 miles on his sailboat. Uh, he, won, he sailed solo around the world three times. In 1992, Michael Plant set sail from New York Harbor, trying to get to France in order for another around-the-world race. It was a dangerous undertaking, but as you can see, he had what his, his sailboat was called the Coyote. It was a dangerous trip, but Plant was an experienced sailor. His boat, the Coyote, was equipped with the latest and greatest technology. It's an amazing thing. His hull was made of the finest materials, sophisticated electronics, including an emergency guidance system, a tracking system that was directed, uh, tied directly to a satellite. Well, 11 days into the sea, radio contact with the Coyote was, uh, was broken. They weren't too concerned about it at that time because... Uh, the seas are rough, and so many times uh, they spend all their time working on keeping the boat, a sh- boat afloat. But Michael Plant did not return any of the, just, it, the calls, but neither had he sent any distress signals. Well, as hours turned into days, a, sar- a search was launched, and ultimately the crew of a Greek tanker spotted the coyote 32 days after it left New York Harbor. 
No Michael Plant to be found. It was floating upside down, and everything was in place. The ship's 85-foot mast was pointed down into the cold waters and still rigged with sails. The hull was still intact. It looked as though the rudders were still operational. The keel was there, but one thing was missing. The 8,400-pound ballast. Ballast is the weight added to a ship to keep it balanced and upright. Without the ballast, the coyote was unable to keep itself upright in strong winds and high waters. It didn't matter how experienced or skilled the plant was as a sailor. He had no hope without the ballast. Sailboats are designed on one fundamental principle. There must be more weight below the waterline than above it. Now, I want to share, I'll I'll jump back into the story in, in just a moment. But I want to share a couple, th- couple things that you, you hear frequently from Nukov. For the word of God is alive, it's active, sharper than any double, double-edged sword, penetrate even to the dividing of a soul and the, and the joints and the marrow. God's word is so sharp and so dr- driven that it, 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 it talks to our, our, our uh, to our souls and points out what is needed to be to, to needed to be addressed. Another verse that uh, you, you might also know is uh, is found in uh, in Second Timothy, First Timothy. It says that God's word is inspired. Every every word of it is inspired. So this morning, what I would like for us to do is as we move through this story and jump into the book of Colossians, I want you to think about what is God saying to me? What is God saying to me? What is God revealing to me? So immediately for me, when I jump into this story and I read that there must be more weight below the waterline than above it, immediately God begins to speak to my heart to make sure that I'm not just somebody on stage, but something. To go, but there's something happening backstage in my life in order to, to keep my, my life afloat. What ballast is to a ship, Christ alone is to your well-being or your soul. In a similar way, a person's faith can be legit, look legitimate above the, above the, on the outside, above the waterline, But if that same faith is not bolted to the person and work of Jesus Christ, you will not be able to withstand the highs and lows of life. So the ballast, or Jesus Christ, what ballast is to a ship, Christ alone is to your well-being. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me except except through me. Jesus alone, not Jesus plus Jesus alone. So the book of Colossians is all about ballast. Christ alone, not Jesus plus. Colossae was a city located uh, in what is now known as modern Turkey. Paul wrote Colossians from a jail cell. That's going to be important as you read through the book of Colossians, and we'll take the summer to do this. But as you go through it, realize he's writing from a jail cell. There were a couple things that were going on. There were heresies being introduced into the church. There were two groups of people that were messing some things up. 
the Gnostics, the Greek word is gnosis, which means knowledge. The Gnostics said that there is special revelation that only a few people get. And so good luck to see if you're part of the, of the chosen ones. This gnosis. They said, so Jesus is important. They believe that Jesus was, was the son of God. They just did not believe that Jesus was fully human when he came here on earth. And so they said there must be special knowledge. They were also uh, polytheists, which means they just picked and chose what they liked about different religions and said, you just pick what works for you. It's called syncretism where it's kind of like a cafeteria style back in the days when they used to have cafeterias like that. But you go through the line, just pick and choose what you like, discard what you don't like. Leave the broccoli there and the cauliflower and the seaweed. You leave behind the things you don't want and you grab hold of the things you do want. And they were introducing and saying that Jesus is important, but he's not all that is needed there's this special knowledge that comes on. And also the Jewish people, they were, they were legalists. And they were tied to keeping the score. They said it was all about transaction. You do this and God owes you that. And so Paul is writing to the church and he's saying, you need to be aware that it's Christ alone, not Jesus plus. It is Christ alone. That is what you hear and that is what is needed. Jesus Christ is not one of just several great religious teachers. He may be prominent in your life, but the goal of of Colossians is for him to be preeminent. We'll come back to this next week, but preeminent means first in everything, first in importance, first in honor, first in exaltation. That Jesus must be preeminent in your life. Warren Wearsby put it this way, they're not denying Christ but they are dethroning him and robbing him of his rightful place of preeminence. Wow, conviction number two for me. And we say this frequently, that Jesus sits on the throne and it's a one-seater. But so many times I try to come alongside and think I've got greater plans, and sometimes I say, God, you're not doing a very good job on my plans. It's a one-seater. He's to be preeminent. Only God himself has the power to release people from their bondage to sin. And so Colossians is all about the lordship or preeminence of Jesus. Jesus as creator, redeemer, lord of creation. That is the central theme. So what we're going to find are some of the boldest statements in all scripture about Jesus Christ in the book of Colossians. So let's jump into it. Colossians 1, it's page 1182. If you're using the Bible in the seat pockets, I'll give you a moment to get your Bible out and uh, to find Colossians chapter 1. Verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Let's stop for just a second here. Now you know why it's going to take us all summer to get through this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I don't know that we've ever talked about this before, but Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one. So when you hear in Scripture Christ, he's referring to the anointed one, the chosen one. And then he refers to Christ Jesus. It's the Aramaic name Yahweh, which means Yahweh saves or Yahweh brings salvation. 
So right here, Paul is already saying it's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus who is the anointed one who's the Messiah. And he's the one who saves. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers, holy meaning set apart, people who've given their life to Jesus Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from, our God, from God our Father. Grace, getting, give, being given what you don't deserve. And then peace, not just external peace, but internal peace. Verse 3. Brace yourselves. Here comes the next conviction. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now remember, Paul is writing from a prison cell. He's in this cell, and I I can tell you what my prayer would be. God, get me out of here. God, keep me safe. God, help, help me, 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 me. It's all about me. It's all about my. It's all about what I want. And Paul is so mature that, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not communicating that it's wrong to pray for your own situation. But Paul is not just praying for himself, but he is praying for other people as well. I always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. It's in present tense, and he's meaning he goes on. This isn't something new. One thing that has helped me, it's just a suggestion, one thing that's helped me keep my prayer time not just focused on my own issues is I have a notebook, and I just list the names of people that I'm praying for. And every day I go through that list of people that I'm praying for. On Sundays when I, obviously I don't get to talk to all of you, but I pray ahead of time. God put me in contact with the right people today, and then I put them on my prayer list and pray for them. And it keeps me from being egomyopic. It keeps me from just being life, and not life issues are all about me. He says, we pray for you. So, Maybe what, maybe what the prayer, the conviction is that we pray to say, God, tell me, tell me today, tell me who, who, to, who to call, who to text, who to email, who do you need me to, to bring encouragement to? May I be your hands, your feet, your voice to help people walk toward you. That's the goal of, of, of being a follower of Jesus Christ, that, our, that we are constantly looking to say, God, how can I be in, investing in the people around me? Now, remember, Paul was in prison at this time. Verse 4. We pray and we give thanks because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. Okay, conviction again. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. That drives what I desire so much for New Cove. That we would be known as a people who love God and who love other people. That we are driven by that. And notice here, there's a pretty important word here. That I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, not some of the saints. Love that you have for all the saints. The word love is agape, which means God-like love because God knows in a group this size, there are going to be people that irritate you. And if you have, don't have anybody who's irritating you, guess what? You're the source of irritation. He says, I, I, you have love for all the brothers and all the sisters. Now think about this. It's not even saying outside the walls yet. He's saying you love the family of God. And what has happened over the last two years? Churches have imploded 
because people line up because of how they vote or how they think or what they believe about certain things. Those are important things, yes, but they're not to be preeminent. Christ is to be preeminent, and we're to, we're to engage in relationship with other followers of Jesus Christ regardless of what color they happen to be or whatever uh, is their chosen thing that they do. It's saying that love for all the saints is meaning for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, at, uh, I had the privilege of praying for our students before they left yesterday morning. And I was talking to one of the parents afterwards. And I said, what are you doing today? He said, well, it'll be a full day. I'm uh, doing a tournament for my son. And, my, and the hope of it, one, is that he enjoys the tournament. But more so that I get to know some people, some other dads, and hopefully have an influence on them for Christ. Say, that is exactly what I desire for New Cove. That wherever we go, whatever we do, we leverage it for bigger things. We leverage that for, 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 to develop relationship with others so we can introduce them to other believers. That's why we have an open league in volleyball. It's not just so people can have a good time in volleyball. It's so that we develop relationships with others and they get to interact with other followers of Jesus Christ. Notice he also says, we've heard about the love you have for all the saints and the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. So he's saying, not only do you have hope to come, but when Christ is preeminent, he gives you hope now that whatever you face, whatever high, whatever low you're in, that Christ provides this, this ability for you to have hope because you're putting your he's the ballast of your life, in other words. That regardless of what comes, high or low, he's the one who keeps the life afloat, who keeps it going in the right direction. Verse 6. All over the world, this gospel, Jesus alone, Jesus preeminent, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it had been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all his truth. Fruit has three characteristics. Be prepared for another conviction. Fruit has has three characteristics. One, it's visible. Two, it reflects the nature of the tree it grows on. All of us bear some kind of fruit. The question is, what kind of fruit is being shown in your life because your fruit reflects the nature of what you're, where you're putting your time and your energy in. Third, it should exist for someone else's benefit. But our tendency can be, again, to pull up the drawbridge and just us four and no more, and we have this fruit, but we don't share it with anybody else. We just take it in. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, again, this is the job of the Holy Spirit. This is not something you work on. You just stay connected to him. You keep him your ballast, and then he develops love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, self-restraint. Against such things there is no law. And this is to be developed in all seasons. That's what draws people to Jesus Christ is when they see Jesus Christ living 
in you. They see the, phys- the visible fruit of Jesus. They realize that it's, you're a reflection of Jesus Christ, and they benefit from being around you. In other words, we need to bring heaven to people wherever we go. Verse 6, again, let's look at the last part of it. It said, so the gospel being bearing fruit and growing just have been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all his truth. Sometimes we get grace and mercy mixed up. Grace gives me what I do not deserve. Mercy does not give me what I deserve. And we understand that God gives us what we don't deserve. Verse 7, we find out who the pastor was who started the church. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Jesus Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying. Here he is again in prison, and it's present tense. We've not stopped praying for you and asking God to Fill you with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So here, keep in mind, he's trying to build this church so that the church is built on the word of God. Church is built on Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is preeminent. But he said, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you. We don't throw a lot of Greek terms out unless it, but in some cases like this, it's important to know When he says, God, to fill you, the word fill is called the passive subjunctive mood. In other words, you are passive in this. You being filled is what God does for you and through you. It is not of your own. All your job, if you look at John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The job of the branch is to cling to the vine. That's your ballast. And the vine produces the fruit. Your job is simply to hold the fruit, to share the fruit, to make sure the people around you are experiencing the fruit of Jesus Christ. So Paul, again, he's saying, I'm I'm praying for you and I'm asking God to fill you with knowledge, with wisdom, and understanding. How do you obtain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding? Consistent intake of God's word. Consistent intake of God's word to navigate Life, issues, and culture. We've got to read, be more, more in God's word than we are on watching our uh, social media. It's just so important. We feed our mind with truth so that we know how to live and how to operate. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a guide into my path. So I read... Uh, as I was doing some study on this, this word, this, your word is a lamp. Back when this verse was written, context is important. When, the, when, the, when this was written, a lamp was made to fit in the palm of the hand, and it only gave light for the next few steps. We want to know the whole counsel of God. We want to know where everything's headed. But that's why it's so important that we spend time in God's word. It's a lamp to my feet to show me what is the next step or two or three to take. It is not giving us all of where everything is headed. You're not alone. You're not overwhelmed. The light gives direction. And the result, 
And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Again, this time alone with God, it, we, it, it, it convicts us and we live a life worthy of the Lord and we please him in every way, not just in one particular way. He's preeminent. He's first in everything we do. However he's gifted you, whatever talents you may have, whatever season you're in, he's put you there for you to, uh, to live in such a way that pleases him and draws people to Jesus Christ. So what, is that, what does pleasing him look like? Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all the power. The word power is the word dunamis, dynamite. We get that from it. So listen to this, being in a hard situation, and Paul, speaking from jail, being strengthened from dynamic power according to his glorious might. It's Christ alone, not Jesus plus. It's Christ alone. So that you need his dynamic power and Christ alone, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to God the Father. Sign me up for the last part. Joyfully giving thanks to God the Father, but do not sign me up for endurance and patience. Endurance usually involves inconvenience, does it not? And unpleasant experiences, not always. But we, I, 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 I can't remember any time anybody saying, yeah, I went to Dairy Queen and I endured another ice cream cone. <laughs> You're going to the wrong place then. Endurance means that it involves inconvenience. And folks, we're in a culture that is inconvenient. And we're hearing things that just don't line up with God's word. And so we need to have strength and get information from God's word that drives us on decision making. Great endurance and patience. We know about that. This is what he says. And thanksgiving giving thanks to God who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And I don't think it's just me. Maybe it is. But so much of this, uh, Paul's writing, he's talking about giving thanks and praying. And he's so outwardly focused. May we be a church that is not inward focused about just our own needs and our own wants. Thanksgiving is a characteristic of a spirit-filled life. Verse 13 For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Brought us into the kingdom of the son he he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Christ alone, not Jesus plus. Christ is imminent. So here's what I'd like for us to do. To do something to make sure we stay in God's word this week. You may already have a Bible plan and you're doing that. Great, stay with it. If you're looking for one, there are two things I'd like for you to do. Everybody, I would like for you to do the BibleProject.com Explore video Colossians. Just go to BibleProject.com. These guys are so gifted in teaching background information. There's a nine-minute video 
that you will be so happy that you got to. It will give you such clarity on reading the book of Colossians. For those of you that are not tied up with another Bible reading plan, then our Bible, uh, uh, Bible doc, uh, what is it? U version, thank you. U version uh, reading is uh, a 30 day study of going through the book of Colossians, and it's just a verse by verse study that will be good for us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would, anytime we allow other things to be added that are not true, God, I pray that you would bring that to our mind's eye. May Jesus be preeminent. May he be the one who is in charge of every, the way we act, the way we think, the way we operate. God, may, may people see the fruit in our lives and may that fruit point people to you. Father, I thank you that, that, that growing fruit, producing fruit is not on our agenda, it's on yours. And our job is just to make sure that you are the ballast of our lives and allow you to produce fruit. Father, may New Cub be a fruitful church that points people to you in a praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We have opportunity to give our offerings for those of you that are uh, here. As you know, when you leave, there's a, a, a receptacle for you to give your offerings. That helps us uh, actually keep our students, giving, giving our students enough money to go and come back. So... So thank you for giving for us to get them home as well. And uh, those of you online, uh, thank you for your giving. There's a place for you to give online as well.